welcome back to another Love Soul Movement podcast. We are going on episode three of the Strength in Women series. And today we have Tam LeBlanc. Hi. Tam is coined as the Enlightened Auntie. That's her tarot (laughs) company. Um, And I love the bio, so I have to read it word for word. Okay. Tam is a witch and has been reading tarot since 2003. This year, she created the On The Go Tarot deck and the Enlightened Auntie's Everyday Lenormand and Three Oracles, all available on her website. I actually have them because I couldn't go without having <laughs> all, and I have them sitting here. So I, you guys really should go look at these. They're, it's awesome too. So if you have small hands, like I do, this is like a perfect deck for you. Yeah. They're poker size. <laughs> they're, they're poker size. So they're small and they're, they're meant to be compact for a reason. Yeah. And you can just take them everywhere and they're, it's, they're really awesome. And there are some that are just super tough love. And then there are others that aren't so tough love for those people that aren't really big on the cursing. So welcome Tam. Hi. Thanks for being hello, here. Hello. Thank you for having me. So as you know, the Strength in Women series that we're doing, we're talking stories of women that have really overcome a lot of stuff to get to where they are today. And you are no exception to that rule. So um, I'd love to hear your story and your background and where you came from and how you landed in the Enlightened Auntie Tarot Company. That's yeah. You can start anywhere you want. You don't have to start from your birth. So, (laughs) so basically, um, I've been loosely interested in astrology since childhood. My grandmother, uh, my maternal grandmother introduced me to, um, Chinese astrology. My grandmother's trying my, I'm half Chinese. So, um, my grandmother introduced me to Chinese astrology and talked a lot about it. Um, we'd read the newspaper, you know, the horoscopes every day. And then when I got a little bit older, I was going to the liquor store and buying those little scrolls. Do you remember those, the little Zodiac scrolls? Uh And I would tape them on the wall next to my side of the bed and I'd read them every day. Like I was obsessed. Um, fast forward, got into college at 17 um, had a boyfriend that worked in a bookstore, which worked out really great because I utilized the hell out of the discount and bought all of my first astrology books. Oh, nice. Um, and I still have them. <laughs> They're all still in my library. Um, that's cool. And over the years it, you know, it, I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I want to say, I don't, I don't think I was, I didn't start off being like spiritual, I grew up Catholic. I was raised Catholic, um, went to Catholic schools, um, but it never really, it never really resonated for me. Like, it, what was Catholic school like? I hated it. I oh thought so. I, I hated Catholic school. I, hated Catholic I just, school. I've never actually had a conversation and asked like what Catholic, Catholic school, school really was kid. like. No, you just I see it in the for, movies. Yeah, for me, I think the reason why it was so bad for me is because I came into the Catholic school setting after being in a public school setting. Oh, yeah. So having to wear uniforms, and I hated the uniforms. I hated having to dress like everybody else. I hated being, you know, having to catch a bus across town to a, to a school like in LA. I lived, you know, in a suburb. So I had to catch wow. a bus in town and... um 
you know, the school was predominantly black. I was here, a little high yellow mixed kid that just kind of stood out like a sore thumb. I was new. It was weird. Um, had And because I was in there as a Catholic student, had to learn like quickly all of these Catholic things that I didn't know anything about um, because my mother and I just, it wasn't a thing like growing up like that. So were you um, baptized Catholic? I was baptized Catholic, but I didn't like, I hadn't really seen the inside of a Catholic church until wow. I got to the seventh yeah. grade. Oh wow! So, um, and so I went to, I started high school. I went to a Catholic high school that totally sucked. <laughs> um, but I was always the weird kid. I was always the weird kid. And, um, I just, I guess I just kind of embrace the weirdness. Yeah. And then as you get older, you know, then the weird is a little bit more apparent. Um, when I started getting into astrology more, I was only interested in like, you know, sun sign astrology. Cause that's what, you know, that's what yeah, they're that taught. That was the big way. That's yeah, the big to get way, it out. you know, sun, mm-hmm. like, sun, sun signs. I, I have that book and I've got notes written oh. in all, uh, all over the book. Inside that's hilarious. Book. Love that. Um, but that was the thing. And so, you know, fast forward, get married at 25 and have my son at 28 Saturn return. (laughs) (laughs) And it was during my Saturn return that I kind of leaned into spirituality. I don't, I just, Mm -hmm. It was just a natural, I don't even know, I want to say natural progression. I don't even know where it came from. I just kind of. You are not the first person to say that to me. I just felt, I fell into it and I came across um, a book by Phyllis Perot, um, Book of Shadows, I believe. I think I I have a couple of her books and reading her story as she evolved into Wicca that was it was profound because everything in her story it made sense to me like it it clicked it clicked it made so much sense mm-hmm. and it made sense to me why I always questioned Catholicism because it didn't make sense to me but what she was saying totally made sense the things that she highlighted in the Bible that were like completely contradictory to you know, the ways that I was being taught. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I've got highlight notes in all of her books because I'm like, damn, I was taught this, but hold on. That Yeah. So you were being open to new perspectives. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this makes more sense. Yeah. And then I, and I mean, I'm fast, like I'm thinking now past life type stuff, past life, anything um, I have this really weird draw to all things Norse and Nordic. Oh, I mean, so interesting. Chad, I don't know who I was in the past life, but that's very interesting. Um, that's, that's kind of how I like got into runes. Like I started reading, um, I've been reading since 2003, but I started with runes because tarot was very intimidating to me. I mean, it's a lot of cards. I didn't know that you read runes. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. I started off with runes and it, um, I probably, and I, it's funny because I've even made my own set of runes and I don't even use them anymore, um, which I should wow. probably go, I should probably go back to them because I haven't used them in a while. That's amazing. Um, but I started off with runes just because it made sense to me. And then 
I loosely dabbled in tarot, like loosely dabbled. Like I would read for friends or whatever. Um, I didn't actually start charging people for readings until like 2018. Wow. Because I felt very strongly about using a gift for pay. Like I just, there was, yeah, I just did the for profit just sounded just, it was weird for me because I had a job. So like, whatever, you know, yeah. it was like I, you yeah. know, it was, you want a reading? Sure. Let's slang some cards, you know? Yeah. But for me, learning tarot was really intimidating because it's so many cards and, you know, there's the upright and the reverse and all that. Like I don't read reversals. Um, I, I don't, don't either. Card, I don't read the reversals. If it sh- happens to jump out in reverse, you take it the way it is. But generally I don't read reversals. Um, and I read the card in its entirety, upside down, sideways, mm-hmm. left, right, you know, like I'm reading the energy as a whole, yeah. good, bad, ugly. So right. in, for me learning, as I was like, you know, I use the, I use my books a lot. I have a gang of tarot books. Um, but for me, it was more about, I wanted to be able to read one without having to use a damn book to help me. Um, but I, I needed to figure out a way to, I guess, absorb the information. Because mm. it's a lot. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it really it's is. a lot of information. Like, even when yeah. I try to explain it to other people, I'm like, the cards are, it's a lot of information. Like, even when I, when I have, like, the tarot deck that I created, the imagery is based on the way that I interpret the card. Right. Um. And so even now, like I can look at the deck that I, that I created, I, I created the art, but I can see things in the picture sometimes that I didn't recognize when I first created the picture. And now I see it and I'm like, oh, sh- wow, what is that? Oh, that's, oh, that's different. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm, so I'm, I don't know if that's. But it's true. Like the pictures on the, the tarot decks and um, I'm the same way because I read the energy of the card, the energy right. of the picture, the things that are going on in the picture. And um, and it's so interesting because even as we move into the Jupiter and Pisces thing, I don't know if you remember what happened earlier this year, but it was kind of a clusterfuck. Um, all the fake spiritualists, all the fake readers, all of that stuff coming out. Right. But also on top of that, there's all of this... Um, what's the word everybody's using where they're saying that like, this is the only way that you can read tarot or this is gatekeeping. gatekeeping. Yeah. So, and that's the, like, I even read a tweet this morning and it doesn't bother me anymore. I just kind of keep going or I'll mute the person or whatever, but they're like, this is the exact way that you need to read a tarot card. And I was like, okay, first, mm, that's not the way that works. And then they get, but see, people get angry when you don't do it the traditional, but this is the traditional way that you're supposed to read. And I think that a lot of the, the, a tool. Come on the art, the art of it, right. The art of it is being lost in the gatekeeping. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, what but I you mean? know what I find that I, I really only find that that culture uh, on Twitter, Twitter, you know, like, yeah, I feel like the Twitter is a whole different. But that's kind of, but you know what? I'm not going to slam Twitter because that's where Enlightened Auntie was born. <laughs> um, yeah, before, maybe not like by the hand that feeds you, but still. <laughs> before I started, like I was reading for my friends and stuff. And then I, um, 
I was blogging in 2004, 2005, um, blogged for a few years. And in hindsight, I didn't realize, like I, I get it now, like I was totally going through some type of healing, like massive healing phase. Mm-hmm. And I had Twitter, I think my Twitter account says 2007, established in 2007, um, but I didn't know how to use it. So I didn't really use it. Yeah. And then in 2019, um, or just like my awakening happened in 2018 or the last, the last major one. Um, what was that like for you? What was your awakening like? Shit. (laughs) It was shit. Like it was shit. It was shit. shit. Um, it, it was 20. Like, I'm curious what your husband thought. Oh girl, he shit (laughs) thought I was losing my fucking mind. Um, he's a patient man. That's all I got to (laughs) say. I was not in a relationship when I was was going through my awakening. So (laughs) all kudos to this man. He is most patient. (laughs) Um, 2018 was really hard. I, I woke up one day and I was just sad. Yeah. Like I quit my job in 2017, the end of 2017. I've been in finance for, you know, 25 years or whatever. And, um, the last corporate job I had, I was working for a manufacturer, a furniture manufacturer, and we were relocating and I didn't want to go with them and they didn't want to make concessions. And I was just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And so I quit my job. My husband thought that I was crazy. Mm. Um, I decided to piggyback on the new California 420 laws. And um, I'm an artist. So I decided to open up like a puff and paint like situation. Um, Hence 3P artistry. Uh, The 3Ps stand for puff, pass, paint. (laughs) (laughs) and Can so, we open that back up? <laughs> so, so um, initially started with that, um, and it's crazy because, like, I literally launched the business at the onset of my awakening. Like the first few parties that I hosted, I was having like a mental breakdown at each oh. party. It was bad. It was so bad. I cried like every day for three months. It was so bad. Um, but I was going through something emotionally and I did not know what it was and I couldn't identify the source. I just knew I was unhappy, profoundly unhappy. And mm-hmm. even when my husband asked me like, what's like, there's nothing different about our life before you were unhappy to now, like what's, di- and it's not that the life was, di- it was me. Mm-hmm. Like I was unhappy. Yeah. And, and that's a perfect know. example for everybody that's going through that and thinking I, they need to change their outer world to make yeah, it better. I did, it was not, I knew there was nothing external to me. I mean, it was it really wasn't, it was me. I was profoundly unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, grabbed my daughter, packed up, moved to my mom's for a little bit and the isolation, um, I needed it. Yeah. I needed it. I needed, I needed as much as I hated to be, you know, like it was a lot, like it was a lot for the family. It was a lot of my kids. It was a lot of my husband. Um, and the thing for me is I just needed to break down 
whatever was going on with me emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, I had been on antidepressants since 2007 Mm -hmm. and 2000, actually 2006. Yeah. I had been on antidepressants since 2006 and, um, I began to feel like I was using the meds as a crutch yeah, to not deal with whatever I was masking with medication. Mm-hmm. And so um, I decided to wean myself off. I've and, been there. And so I started taking the pills like every other day. And then I ramped down to you know, every two days, because mm-hmm. initially it was, I was taking two pills. So I would, I wrapped down from two pills to one pill every other day. And the withdrawal was a bitch. Yeah. Um, I slept I a probably, lot. I probably smoked more weed than I have ever smoked in my entire life. I was mm-hmm. like five blunts a day. Like yeah. I was smoked out all day long because mm-hmm. I needed it to kind of Balance. counteract the, the feeling of withdrawal. Cause literally that withdrawal made me feel like jumping out of a window. Like yeah. it, like my, I was all over the place. Um, and I slept a lot and saw synchronicities a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. A lot. Like it was a lot. And, and that's when I just like little things started happening. My dad died. And then, you know, there was a whole bunch of unpacking of boxes at that point mm-hmm. with his death. And it was like, kind of like an aha thing. I got on Twitter, um, posted about the, it's in, I think it's in my, it's a pin tweet actually. Um, Oh, the 20 something pin. Yeah, it's like, hold on, where is it? I love that. Where is it? Oh yeah, it says for my 20 something year old followers, stop stressing about your love life, forgive your parents, wait to have children, finish your education, love yourself the way you've been loving those deadbeat ass connections, learn to live in gratitude and watch your life change. I posted that January 16th of 2020. When I posted this tweet, I only had, at the time, I think I had like 328 followers. Mm-hmm. Today I have 25.8 thousand followers. Nice. <laughs> and Enlightened Auntie was kind of born from this tweet um, because I find that the information or the tweets, the things that I talk about on Twitter um, are really they're kind of internal there's kind of like internal conversations that I'm having with myself yeah, little mm-hmm. little reminders to my inner child little reminders to teenage Tam and um, and I realized that I'm also talking to a whole generation of children these are kids as far as I'm concerned I'm oh, about yeah to be, me too I'm mm-hmm. about to turn 50 so these yeah are children <laughs> for me <laughs> sorry <Right>. kids <laughs> I'm in my mid forties. I don't look at 20 year olds like they're adults yet. (laughs) And somebody was like, wow, you really, you know, like you, you talk to us, like, you know, come off like this auntie, like, and I, and I, and it was kind of cute. And I thought about it and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, enlightened auntie. I like that. And it's stuck. And so now it's funny because people do come to me and they approach me and they, they, you know, call me auntie. And it's, you know, initially it was kind of weird when my husband does it, that's really weird. But, <laughs> but when people say that to me, I realize that it is a term of endearment. It, it is. is, you know, I realize that I've had clients tell me 
that they felt more love from me than they have gotten from their own families. Right. And I understand that because we've all lived with that at some point Mm -hmm. in our lives where we didn't feel like we were getting the the love, the nurturing support and safety, you know? And so I try to, I guess my approach with my clients, the people that I, you know, interact with on Twitter, my approach is very much the same that I do with my own children. You know, I am literally the empress. Like I am the gentle Mm -hmm. nurturer. I want to love on everybody. You know, I want, I want you to shine the best and shiniest that you could possibly be. And I'm going to be your cheerleader, but I'm also going to pull your collar when I see you on some fuck shit. Right. Cause that's what I do. You know, I see that you're not doing what you're, I mean, I'm holding you accountable. You know, I'm telling you, I love you because you des- you're deserving of that. And people don't like to be held accountable. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, I love you because, you know, you're deserving of that. But I'm also telling you your shit stinks because you're not handling your business. And you know, you know, and I feel like it's funny because I have some clients that come to me, I don't know, sometimes expecting me to be harsh. Like, you know, that's kind of, Mercury and Aries. That's kind of my personality. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm going to give it to you straight, but they think, I don't know, I guess they expect sometimes in a reading that I'm just going to just drag them through the mud. And it's not so much that I'm just going to tell you what it is, but I'm telling you in such a way that I'm breaking it so that you understand I'm breaking it down so that you also feel nurtured and cared for through the process. Mm-hmm. You're going through some shit. I get it. We've all been there. We've all gone through something. I'm trying to help you shift your perspective so that you can see your way out of it. Because nine times out of 10, when you're in it, you don't see nothing but the chaos. You know, I'm trying to be the light to help you get your way out of that. So, you know, Enlightened Auntie became its own little, its own little force. So I decided, well, well, I feel it's, I think that it's like a nice little warm corner of the world that you've created, honestly, because It's like, like there aren't very many places where people can go to where they actually feel safe these days online, right? physically, it doesn't matter. And when you don't feel safe, like we, you know, just the conversations that we were having before we hit record, you know, growing up when you don't feel safe, you want to find places that are safe for you. Right. And I think that, yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of times when people, and that's the thing, people take advantage of folks when they're in those low places, the, mm-hmm. those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to literally shine as bright as I can so that I can be some kind of beacon. Like I, yeah, like that's my calling. I get yeah. it. I, like I finally kind of come to the realization that because my demographic is they range between 20 and 35, the bulk of the people that are like, following me or interacting with me and I understand that age demographic because I've already lived it I've already lived it (laughs) um and I have children you know I've got adult children so it's like I'm I'm guiding from the perspective of not just a parent but I've already lived it so I'm you know I've made the mistakes I've done all the things you know I kind of also get now that I understand why I'm called to do what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because I have lived 
I've lived in the station of the karmic toxic masculine. I have lived in the station of the karmic toxic feminine. Mm-hmm. I am now fully balanced in divine masculine, divine feminine energy. Like I've lived all of that. Yeah. I know how to, I knew how I, I understand now how I got myself into it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand the moments. Like I can look back now and I can see. The oh, and put the dots moment. together. I can put, when I started connecting the dots and really seeing how everything was so connected, I was like, damn, wow. Um, it made more, it started to make a lot, a lot more sense. sense. I mean, yeah, and then you find peace. Sense. You find so right. much peace was, with your past. Right. When it, you was kinda like, it was kind of like dealing with my father, like when I decided that, you know, when I, right before he died, like the week before he died, I went to see him with full intention of walking in and just telling him to kiss my ass and, you know, <laughs> go fuck yourself and die. Like I literally right. had that intention. Um, and when I got there and saw the condition he was in, saw his living conditions, I was like, you're already living your karma. Yeah. Why am I, why am I mad? And it dawned on me in that moment that I had been carrying around all this pain and anger and disappointment. And he was just incapable of being what I needed. It had nothing to do with who he was. I mean, you know, he is who he is. He was going to be who he was going to be. Right. He just was incapable. It didn't mean he loved me any less. He just really didn't know how to love me. Or yeah. What to, he didn't know what to do with that. He wasn't um, taught. He wasn't even taught. Right. How to so do any I of couldn't that. be, I couldn't be mad at that anymore. Right. Like I, you know, instead I was, I was angry at him the whole time I had a stepfather who stood in his place and was the father that I needed. Mm -hmm. wasn't that so freeing for you in that moment in that moment when I realized I was like you know what I forgive you because you're like you're living like this dude I'm not that bad off so yeah well and and he did that to himself he's living like that because he alienated everybody that he loves or loved him ever right Right. And that's why he was in, I mean, he had no help. He was in squalor because he and literally brought body broken down, like wow. all of that. And so, and, yeah, you got to feel just, bad for him. Almost. I, yeah, I was just like, wow, that's unfortunate, man. You know, sorry to hear that. And then a week later, you know, I get a call from my brother and he's like, oh, you know, we lost him. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And at that point I was free. I felt like I literally felt free at that moment. Cause I'm like, I had said everything I needed to say nothing I don't feel any kind of way I have a picture of him and my children sitting right across from my desk I see him every day yeah I don't feel no kind of way like I literally don't feel any kind of way about it so what would you tell somebody who I mean because you know we were talking about the parental things or mothers and I didn't really get into the father side but I have the same father like that story is almost exactly my dad's still alive but um not any better off than I am for sure I, I think for me now that I have a better understanding and I'm, I've been really working on the whole, you know, generational curse, ancestral karma thing. Like I've really been, that's been a real big focal point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started with looking back at my lineage, looking at oh yeah the sacrifices that my great grandparents made to come here what my great-grandfather initiated when he left China, he initiated a vow of poverty. 
by walking away from his family, walking away from their money so that he can go marry this little poor village girl and bring her to the United States. So they come to the United States and they have 13 children in the 30s. Wow. In 40s. Well, they did that because Chinese immigrants in in California during that time. But they did that. They had that many kids so that those kids could work for them. That part. Yeah. I mean, that's why poor families had a whole bunch of kids and that sucks. Right. So (laughs) that's where we came from. (laughs) Right. So I look at my grandmother. My grandmother's first marriage was arranged. Wow. So she had a high school sweetheart who she later married, who was her second husband. Um, But her first marriage was arranged. Karmic. (laughs) Like now that we understand how those work. Yeah. Um, She married my grandfather. They had my mother. Um, My grandmother was mentally ill, schizophrenic, abusive physically. Um, So my mother went to go live with my great grandmother. And then my grandparents split or he left or whatever. She went on to be with my great with my granddaddy now my granddad black man now we're talking in the 1940s and 50s a Chinese woman and a black man in Los Angeles California wow wow yeah um but their relationship I want to say that I want to say that that was a third party that was a third party situation oh yeah and then we fast forward to my mother and my birth father, that I feel like that was completely karmic because that was, it wasn't because they loved each other. It was, we'll show you because they wanted to get married and their parents said no. Oh yeah. They wanted to get yeah out of the house and stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that was my mom too. My mom yeah, and my dad, so that was the same story. Like, so, you know, they, Crazy. so then here I come and, you know, I derailed her plans. He didn't yes. know what the hell, like he wanted a baby, but then when the baby got here, it was like, <laughs> what do we do with it? You know? And so it just understanding the dynamics and even like growing up wanting just to be like coupled. Like for me, I guess coupling was a thing. It was yeah. important. It felt yeah. like it was supposed to be important. It made you, and, it gave you worthiness almost. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I can kind of see, it's funny because I can kind of see now how I spoke up or, or, or spoke some toxic shit into my life by saying I wanted my really I wanted my marriage to be just like my parents yeah (laughs) like now I can say yeah (laughs) Jesus Christ don't ever say that (laughs) don't ever say that be careful what you wish for yeah because what I saw on the outside wasn't truly what uh, Jesus Christ like I spoke that into my life words are very powerful people be careful what you wish for yes um and so now, I mean, on this side of it, I can recognize, I recognize it for what it is. I recognize that it, you know, while, yeah, it could have been love. Now I understand that whole, you know, the lovers and the devil, two sides of the same coin. They look exactly the same. They have the it's same two sides of the same coin. <laughs> yes. yes, you are. Yes, you have a deep connection. Yes, you love each other, but it's the kind of love where you would kill like it's mm-hmm. it's so the obsession yeah. the obsession the toxicity the jealousy the all of that like that was I recognized growing up like that was I saw it 
I saw my I saw my grandparents acted out. I've seen my parents acted out. I've seen it acted out within my own marriage. And mm-hmm. so when I recognized it immediately, I was like, that has got to change. We can't do that anymore. Like literally we can't do that anymore. Um, and so the whole shifting of paradigm and unlearning, the unlearning part has been, um, it's been huge. And I think just because I've got all these damn Gemini placements, my mind is super open. So I'm, I see every side, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. I am yeah. always trying to get other people to see all the other sides with me because yeah. there are so many possibilities, not just this one. Right. There's a gang of possibilities. So keep yourself open to them. Right. And for the most part, most people don't operate that way. So they well, don't. And everybody thinks you know, that like the worst possible thing is going to happen. That's where they go. Right. <laughs> that's where everybody always goes to the worst possible thing because right. then they're safe. Like if the worst possible things happens, at least they were ready for it. And I'm like, but that's how you're going to manifest the worst possible thing happening is by being ready for the worst possible thing to happen. Right. And yeah. now I'm kind of, it has taken me a lot to get into a space of to get into that space of surrender. And it's hard for me to explain it to people. Like when I tell you to just surrender and you're like, what do I do? Yeah. I'm like, I can't tell you how I can only tell you, like I did it, but I had, it was like talking myself into it right. over and over and over, in every moment, reminding myself, what is it that I want? What is it like in my mind's eye, see it all the time, what I want. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, at age 49 and three quarters, um, I can say I have everything I've ever wanted, like ever, That's you awesome. know, um, and it proved to me just like with this passing Christmas, we didn't put a Christmas tree up. Like we decorated the outside of the house just for the neighborhood, but there was, it didn't look very holiday. Like in my house, mm-hmm. um, I cooked breakfast and lunch. We had Jack in a box for dinner. <laughs> it was some it was the most relaxed Christmas I've ever had in my entire life and I loved it because I just got goosebumps all over (laughs) I loved it because we didn't do anything like my kids like my husband was kind of like shocked because the kids didn't ask for anything why because they're comfortable they have everything they need we have everything we need we don't need anything and I mean nothing I can't get myself so I'm like yeah right my husband was like and for him I think also for him, it was kind of like, it was a good feeling that we provide a good life for ourselves, for our children, so that we can just enjoy the fruits of our labor. So all yeah. we did was lay up in a bed and watch Netflix all day and just hang out. And that's awesome. I'm like, it, we got out of that whole, you know, congregate with family and get all mm-hmm. dressed up and, you know, get the dressed tradition. up in my get dressed up to be in my own house. I ain't doing all that. Like you just, I never understood that. So for me, like this was the most ideal holiday, you know, and, and I mean, God, I would love to do this over and over again, but my husband is now convinced that we have to take the the helm of tradition. And I'm like, maybe we should come up with new traditions. I think I was just about to say that because he's also, he's also mixed black and Asian, correct? Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. the Philippines Asian. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just wanted to get it straight. So I wasn't, um, But that's the thing is like, you don't, but going back into the Asian culture, those are the traditions that kept you guys restricted. So I was going to, yeah, new traditions. It's like the family, like the family, family, like every, I mean, and, and yeah, yeah, I'm, I am down with my family like that, you know, but 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, just based on understanding my own boundaries, and I've kind of been exercising these since maybe like 2016 when I started kind of like cut, trimming away the fat, like trimming mm-hmm. away the people that I know they're just like whatever, hanging, you know, just hanging on for whatever. Yeah. And realizing that even though I've got, I mean, I have a very large family on my mother's side. Um, I'm not I'm like one family, like on my father's side, we're not very close, but I've got family on both sides. And it's like, I'm not, again, I've, I've always been the weird one. <laughs> I'm, I'm the black the, I'm sheep the, of the family. I'm the different one. Yeah. I'm the, I mean, even on my, in, in my Chinese family, I'm the only one that's half black um so I was even different you know even as a child yeah. like I was I was always the, the different one um and so I'm not on that whole you know because we're related we gotta be you know Buddies, breaking bread and yeah. hanging out and all, I'm and it's not to say that I'm not again it's not because I don't love my family it's just that i you just don't need it. It's not something it. that I is, don't need it. Yeah. I just, I don't need it. Like, and I that's okay. Don't. And it's so funny. Cause it's even okay to admit that. Like, yeah, I just, I just don't need, it. I'm perfectly content. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, my husband probably thinks it's weird. Cause I, I don't mind the isolation. I finally gotten comfortable with it. I grew up as an only child. So mm-hmm. as an only child, my ass was alone all the time. You know, my mom was either going to school at night or doing some kind of philanthropy something somewhere else and so I was home by myself a lot and I was a latchkey kid so I mean being alone not a big deal now that my kids are teens my two youngest kids are teens they stay in their room all day yeah you know so it's kind of like the the tough years when they were little and I had to really be the engaged mom and hands-on and everything was we're all sitting together. We're all watching cartoons and (laughs) we're all playing with toys and we're all dressing up as princesses, like all of that stuff. Like I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I don't do it anymore. So, you know, I let my kids be autonomous, go do whatever you want to do. Cause I'm not about to sit here and make you stare at me. And we're just, yeah, that conscious parenting thing after you have been, you have to unlearn, you have to reparent yourself and unlearn. And at the same time, be very aware <laughs> of yeah. any kind of triggering that you're getting. And then it's like, not because I, I know for myself, my, I held on to my mother's emotions, my entire life, like my yeah. whole life, I was taking care of her emotions. And I, when I was connecting my dots from the past, I noticed that I did that to the, my older two, my oldest two are 20 and 18. And I noticed I did that to the older two, but the, my youngest, who's eight, he gets the conscious, aware, awakened. Right, right. And so, right. and I'm obviously, I'm still mothering through that as well with my older two. But I mean, I have conversations with them where I'm like, you have to understand where I came from and that that's not who I am anymore. And they know that as well. Right, right. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, our really. Oldest kid, our two oldest have, have a different experience. They had a different experience. They had a different me. mom. They had a different mom. And yeah. And I became a step parent at like 23, 24. So, you know, I was really young and I had had no experience with children. I was going solely off of the information that my mother was telling me about my (laughs) own childhood. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, And 
And so, you know, my stepson and I had a really tough time for a really long time. Um, but I also realized in hindsight now that I think some of it uh, largely was due to kind of the way that step parenthood was presented to me. Oh yeah. As a child, like my, not that my stepdad treated me any kind of different, but my mother definitely treated my, my stepmother and sister differently than, you know, whatever. So that was, you know, I think that shaped a lot of, of what I did. And then also understanding, like I was trying to like be a mom or at least be a facilitator to like his mother and the boy, like trying to you know, trying to fit in mm-hmm. into, you know, into this like dynamic. Cause I'm, I'm the new guy, I'm the new guy. So I was trying to navigate that. So he got a much different parent. And even with my oldest son, he's 21 now, much different parent, much more strict, much more, you know, because that's the way that we were raised. That's the way yeah. that we were taught. It was, you know, yeah. I remember when uh, my stepson was like four or five, my mother and I took him shopping and I asked if we were going to go get lunch and my mother thought it was really weird for me to ask him, what did he want to eat? She thought it was the strangest, like, because that's not the way I was raised. It was like, you eat what I give you. Right. No questions asked. You just eat it. And I, and I hated that by the way, (laughs) like I hated that approach by the way. So I don't do that with my kids. I never have like, I'm going to give you an option. I'm going to give you like three. Mm-hmm. pick one of the three yeah don't say nothing that's not on this list mm-hmm. pick one of the three because mm-hmm. I know at least one of those three is something that you chose and you will eat it because if I spend my money on something that you won't eat I'm going to be pissed off and I know right. that so yeah. you know yeah. let's let's do it smart and I remember my mother's reaction was like well like, yeah why, why would you give your why would you, choices yeah she was like why <laughs> would you do that she was like he's gonna eat what you what you give him I was like I feel like our parents didn't understand that children are also humans hi yeah with yeah. brains and not and so choice and like, no, ideas. I am not about to spend my money and have this kid, you know, tell me yeah. he's not going to eat the food and then I'm going to be mad. Like, right. why am I going to do that to myself? Why am I going to do that to him? Like, no, I'm going to give him an option. And so mm. I made sure, like, I even with my when I when my first son came, I gave my kids options. You know, my mom thinks it's crazy that all three of my kids eat differently. Oh, so I have so my oldest. He will eat anything. You put any kind of food in front of him, he will eat it, no questions asked. Um, my the, our youngest son is seventeen. He has been um, kind of a pseudo vegetarian for many years now. Like mm-hmm. he's just now starting to put meat into his diet. Um, and then my daughter won't touch anything that's green. Like <laughs> if she don't like colors, if it's it, it, it's she's very meat and potatoes. If it's if it's got orange or red or green or yellow it's coming off the plate. It's getting wow. straight to the side. That's very specific. Yes. <laughs> but they all, and the the super that, Virgo. <laughs> uh, yes. But I, but I have, as their mother have catered to their, to their different dietary <clears throat> needs. Yeah. I make, sh- because I want to make sure everybody's happy. And they're but all in, three different humans. <laughs> yes. But then what happened was, <clears throat> and then my husband is a whole different beast because we've got meal planning and all this other stuff. So somewhere in that mix, I was losing myself because then I began to mm-hmm. hate that process. And then it was like, fuck it, y'all go eat whatever the hell I give you. I don't, and I, instead of, 
you know, where I would carefully do my daughter's plate by taking out the vegetables. I'm like, fuck it, you gonna take these vegetables out yourself? <laughs> like, I, like it, had, it was a process though. Like I, I was yeah. literally a learning process where I had to kind of peel back. I went without a cell phone for like a year, a little over a year. Mm. And it was during the time that I opened my business. So imagine that I ran a business oh, wow. without, without a cell phone. Girl, I <laughs> am um, impressed. I made it work because 90% of the time I was on Wi-Fi. And so mm. I had an iPhone. Most people could, you know, connect with me. My best friend has an Android. So at the, well, I had Android at the time. So she would always face, we'd messenger each mm. other and call each other through messenger. So there were ways to connect with people. I just, you just couldn't get me when you wanted me. Yeah. That was the key. Yeah. I needed, I needed that disconnect. So during that whole 2018, um, most of 2019, I didn't have a phone. So people couldn't just, you know, like if I left the house, um, when you coming back, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the nineties. Right. Like, I, it's, I don't know, like, <laughs> like, because in part, in the part 80s. Of that was, it was to detach in a way where it was healthy for all of us, my, myself, my husband, my children, mm-hmm. so that that codependency that we have towards having a cell phone and being able to instantly connect. Mm-hmm. Y'all got to learn how to rely on yourselves and not constantly just rely on mom having the answer for everything. Yeah. I need y'all to peel back a little bit. But the fact that you recognize that you had created monsters and <laughs> And then you, you healed it. That's the way to say it. It wasn't even fixed anything. You healed. I had to, to because if I didn't, I was going to keep, I was going to kill myself. Like Mm -hmm. literally, like I was, I was running myself thin. And even at the time when I stopped working, um, my mother had just started going through dialysis. And so I would leave my house in the morning, go to her house change out her dialysis bags, go to work, leave work, go to her house, pick her up, take her to the dialysis center, go back to work. When she finished dialysis, go pick her up, take her home, and then go back to work. Wow. And then make one more stop to her house before I went home. And then when I got home, I had to feed my family. Wow. Yeah. I did that for, I did that for a minute. And by the time it was all said and done. Like I just, I was, yeah. I was, I was spun. I'm trying to be, you know, trying to be there for my mom. I'm trying, I have a whole family of my own and there was nothing left for me. And I was given the rest to work. There was nothing left for me mm-hmm. and nobody, I don't know if they got it, understood it, cared, whatever. Well, but, but that's, that's what, I was, that's what, that's what I was going through. Like, yeah, literally, yeah. that's what I was going through and it was yeah. hard and it was killing me. Um, so when I stopped working and decided, okay, I'm going to start my own business, which kind of just eh, turned into something different. I started teaching, um, but it evolved in such a way, like I'm an artist. I've always been an artist. I've been drawing pretty much my whole life, but I also collect tarot decks. I probably have like a hundred mm-hmm. all over my house. Yeah. Um, but I realized the reason why I collect them is because I like the imagery and that's what inspired me to do my decks because I understand that. I get a lot from the imagery. Mm-hmm. And so I'm an artist. What other way for me to get my art into other people's hands than to create something that they can use? Yeah. And that's how the decks were created. So it was like, like I, and at that point I was kind of itching for something else. Like I enjoyed tarot, 
but I enjoy helping people more, less tarot, more talk, more, I rather engage with them so that to help them understand where they're going and what's going on in their lives and how to navigate it. So now like, I don't ask, I don't ask Zodiac information for readings, but I do, if I am talking to somebody um, live, I do ask them how old they are so that I can kind of gauge how my advice goes, because yeah. if, you're, if you haven't had your Saturn return yet, there ain't no point in even going down that road. Right. This is the set of challenges you're going to have in your early twenties. Yeah. You know, if you're post Saturn return, we, we can talk about that. Yeah. You know, but you're even, you're still going to evolve more from your Saturn return into your forties. You're right. still going to grow and evolve and change a little bit more. Oh yeah. Your Saturn return is just showing you what it is that you need to do in order to become a grown up. And the right. following years after your Saturn return, that's, that's all when you implement it. Right. And if you don't implement it, then it's going to be really hard. <laughs> to right. I, I, I try not to, I'm like, cause the first one was a hot ass mess. Um, and so I would like to think that when I, when the second one comes rolling around, I'll be a little bit more prepared for it. I think it really is. It's more of like, it's more of like planning for the last part of your life. It's, you know, it's kind of, that's like the milestone. I'm like, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, not overly thinking. I've actually like looked up a couple of videos on it. And it's funny because I've seen some videos on Saturn return and they're just so delusional. Oh yeah. I've seen some Saturn return videos and the people are, they're like smiling and, and making it sound like, I mean, they're talking about the transit and, and yeah, what it could do, but they're making it sound very fairy fairy tale like and i'm oh, like oh yeah y'all are no. crazy my mm-hmm. saturn return pretty much shred my life and turned oh it yeah out. like mine did I too i don't know what y'all t- well and it's really funny if i would have known that that was my saturn return i probably wouldn't done half the stuff i did because i got divorced during my saturn return and then i met my second husband during my saturn return <laughs> hey same here divorced my husband divorced my husband and remarried him yep well, I didn't remarry no, I him. I didn't remarry the second. I just met him. I waited four years. Still I, didn't work. Look, <laughs> divorce, divorce, and remarried during during Saturn return. It yeah, was- and it's funny because like, and it's so great because the generation now that just had their Saturn return or they're in it, they're not. Nobody wants to get married anymore. And I'm like, Good. I know, I know. <laughs> it's the only difference is my sister's going through hers right now. The only difference is um, she really wants a baby. Oh, um, yeah, and that and that one that one that that one's not happening right now. But it's it, that's, but for the most part, everybody that's had that's going through theirs right now, they're so not thinking about. Well, and it's because and, of the way that relationships have been portrayed, right. and this is definitely something I wanted to talk to you about because I, I mean, you're a veteran of being in a relationship where you guys have had your ups and downs. You went through your awakening right. during your marriage. I couldn't even imagine. Cause I know what kind of a hot mess I am and God bless the fact that Henry has been around for a year. <laughs> He's amazing. So I would hard. say, I would say my husband is incredibly patient and, yeah. and I think for him, cause we talk about it a lot. Like he has adapted, I guess, learned to pivot and adapt as I pivot as as the Gemini in me starts to spin mm-hmm. and he recognizes that there's something that has shifted he will investigate to figure out what the shift is this is love he will figure <laughs> out what that shift like he'll witness like he, he's very I mean 
He watches. Very, he What's watches. his rising sign? You don't know. I don't know. I want to look at your his chart exact, someday. I don't have his exact time of birth either. Oh. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but he he's very um God, he's very patient. <laughs> but he pays attention to the things that I'm going through. And so he reads a lot. He reads a lot. See, I want to so say that he's he, like a Gemini rising or a Virgo rising. So if he rising. feels like there's something that, you know, if he kind of senses something, he'll do research. He'll watch videos. He'll read a book. He'll read blogs. He'll, he reads a lot. Yeah. And so with every shift that I went through, he read he up just on research, it. He read up on it. So That's that awesome. Could, so that he could understand what I was going through, how to support me, how to be, you know, how to kind of counteract some of this, you know, frenetic energy that I was going through. Mm -hmm. He checks in with me often. I think now that I've fully opened up, which was really hard that, yeah. you know, learning how to open up and, and get like, soft it, the vulnerability, like learning oh, how to like, yeah. kind of learning how to drop the armor. Yes. Oh my God. Learning how to drop the armor was a really tough, tough process. I'm still kind of so learning how to drop it's, it's, Yeah. So, so I have to, even there's times where like, where I feel like when conversations are getting like super tense or I'm like feeling triggered, you know, I have to pause, breathe, go through my exercises in a, oh, in yeah. a, in a flash, you know, to yeah. kind of stay really, you know, stay within myself so that I can, you know, communicate and be open. I just keep telling myself, like, this is what you want. You have to communicate. You have to speak up. You have to say how you feel. You have to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. these are all the things. And I am constantly just like reminding myself, you have to. So now that I show up in more, in a more authentic way, I think just because I don't care how it's perceived anymore, like, yeah. whatever. You're like, either going to love me or you're going to hate me. And that's not my problem. Right. And the <laughs> fact that this man has been so patient all of this time and continues to love me unconditionally. It was all, that was, that was all the evidence I needed. Not that I yeah. didn't, wasn't aware, but it was like, it was shrouded with so much. Oh, all the crap. Calcified. Shit. Yes. <laughs> it was so much other stuff that was blinding me from what I really had amen <laughs> and when i really sat down and like took a full assessment of it i was like oh shit wait a minute what am i doing but what I, what yeah but I, what i love about your story and i hope that i can have that same story someday <laughs> but what i love about your story is that it does give give the kids these days hope that there yeah, are and people I try. out there that I, will I try. fight with you I try to let them know like you know yeah. what granted i met my husband when i was 23 years old but when I met him, I met him at a time where intentionally I told myself, anybody I meet from this time forward, I need to consider them for marriage because of that, you know, our generation at that time. Oh, yeah. Most people got married, had babies right out of high school. Oh, yeah. I already had two babies by 23. Right. And so I was <laughs> like, so for me, you know, being 23 and not having a husband and not having, you know, not having yet, not having a partner or anything like I, I didn't want to be an old an old maid at 23 yes right? so, <laughs> so so the truth at that point but I knew at that point anybody that <clears throat> you know entered into my life I didn't realize that I was actively manifesting at that moment I did yes. not realize that 
but I said it very intentionally. Whoever comes into my life at this point, I got to look at them as marriage material. And if they are not it, they got to go. They got to go. Yeah. And six months from the time I six, literally six months to the day I said it, my husband walked into my job looking for a job. And I never would have imagined that one encounter would turn into all of this. Yeah. That we've built a life, a family. And yeah, we've had tough times, but our love is what kept us together, you yeah. know, and and wanting to keep our family together and wanting to, you know, be whole and be happy. Like literally, we are good. Right. We are good. not. Not yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like these days that people um, give up on other people too easily? And maybe that if they I stayed so. and let their ego go a little bit? I think so. I think people, <clears throat> I think people have sometimes unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. of what a relationship is supposed to provide. Oh, I think Hollywood did a really good job of that. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Let's not talk about the Disney videos. Let's not do that. <laughs> let's, you know, that fairy tale shit, you know, people don't tell you. Yeah. I knew I know. wasn't a princess when I was little. Cause when I'd watch those Disney movies, I'd be like, this is not my life. New, <laughs> I know I'm not new, a princess. New. And the thing is, is that I, you know, I remember one thing that my mom used to tell me a lot growing up and it was like whoever you end up with, like you want them to be your friend. You should be friends first. Like, why would you give yourself to somebody who you don't even want to be friends with? Right. And so for that, I recognized where there were relationships that I had been in or guys that I had dated that I just, I knew it wasn't going to be friends. Like we couldn't be friends like that. Um, But my husband and I are like, the same person he's just a man (laughs) he's just a man we're like the same person um but he literally picks it's like we are very yin and yang he like Mm -hmm. for all of my weaknesses those are his strengths and vice versa yeah um very complementary to one another our personalities the way that we operate and the way that we you know function as a unit um it is possible I think if people just drop their idea of, you know, there's that whole modern woman thing where, you know, I can do it on my oh, own. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, and then the girls who are like, you know, if he can't do this, this, that for me, then I don't want him. But like, what are you bringing to the table? Right. Like, I you feel know? like that whole seventies feminist movement that happened mm-hmm. kind of went overboard and we were stuck in the middle of having to be that kind of woman. And now it's not like that anymore. Right. And the thing is, too, is, and also, too, is because we're not, you know, even like with my younger children, it's like we're not, I don't, I'm not raising them in survival mode Mm-mm. because that's not, we're not going into that paradigm. No. I think things will shift, but we're not going to be in that survival mode anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things that I really want to, like, when I do collective readings or when I have collective talks on my channel or anything like that, there's a lot of, recognition that I'm trying to get people out of survival mode and not, and it's not that I think that there's like any, like, I don't go into the politics of anything and I don't listen to the political agenda and I don't do all of that, but I do know that the media and everything that we've grown up with, that has been the fear of survival mode. Right. And that's, I don't know how, you know, generation after generation after generation, it just gets worse. Um, but yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest things is survival mode ki- is what kills us. We right. really, 
are hustling and pushing the clock and making sure that we can go that extra mile. And I even still see myself doing it sometimes gets getting close to having to pay a certain bill. And I'm like, right. okay, what can you're I hustling. sell? Yeah, you're the, What right. reading do I have at hand yeah, that I'm I can just pop out get, there? I'm trying to get out of that mode. I yeah. Think I, I think I, I don't know. I think I watched, it might've been your Taurus reading. <laughs> I think you said something in it. It was like something about being more present. Like mm. instead of focusing, being so future focused on what's going on or what's coming or inserting myself into the next thing to just kind of be. Pause, <laughs> yeah. Pause and wait to see what this moment like, is giving you first. Yeah. So I'm kind of yeah. like, so right now I'm in that. I'm trying to. And that is the, to me, for me, that was the easiest way to get out of survival mode was to keep, re- and Henry reminds me all the time. He's like, you know, when we're getting to that point to where I'm starting to get stressed out, he can tell. And he's like, but you got to come back into this moment where this is the moment that matters, whatever you're right. doing right now. Cause, and I know you with all that mutable energy, you're like, but I could do this, but I can do that. But I can right. do this. Hold on. Let me, let me show you my magic. I you don't have no to, idea. you don't have to do magic on the inside. I feel very stretched right now. Yeah. I'm not though. I'm, I'm literally not, but in the inside, there's a little me running around in circles going, what do we do? What do we do? What are we doing? I feel like I should be doing something, but I have no idea what. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of taking that as a signal, just focus on what's going on around the house, you know, clean here, wipe that, wash yeah. this, you know, find something else to get into and it'll just come to you. Don't worry about it. So yeah. that's kind of the mode that I've been in literally since Christmas, because awesome. I feel very I don't want to say like in the flow. That seems really cheesy, but I say that I say that. I just, it's cheesy I just don't, all the time. I don't, yeah. I'm like, I just don't know. I have no other words for it because I don't You're know. You're not forcing anything. That. I'm just kind of being, I'm like, whatever, like it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I have noticed like the manifestation things have been picking up really quickly, really weird. Like I, so this mm. is new for me. So just kind of being in the receptive mode. Yeah. When you're, and when you open yourself up like that, that's what I want people to understand is when you get vulnerable and you take that armor down, you can actually see the things happening and you're like, yeah, I had that happen last week. And I was like, Like you say words and it appears and you're like, what the, I just made that. Yeah. I had, okay. tell you this i'm gonna tell you this story we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put it we're gonna put it on the we're gonna put it on this podcast so i manifested (laughs) i manifested free weed last week nice so my plug was out of town it was raining like dogs and cats like it is right now and i was like damn i do not want to go to the dispensary i just don't want to i don't want to pay the taxes and i don't want to pay for i still want to pay Mm -hmm. for it and so I placed an order online for them to deliver. That turned into a whole shit show. I placed my order at six. They close at 10. At 10 o'clock, I hadn't heard anything back. Oh, wow. I am not freaking out, but I'm annoyed. Like at this point, I'm just annoyed. Cause I'm like, what are you coming? You're not coming? Like what the yeah. hell? Like now it's 10 o'clock. Like you guys close. Like, like don't mess with my weed. Right, so I'm pissed <laughs> off. I post on Twitter. Like, yo, I'm so done. I'm like, I did this delivery service, blah, blah, blah. And this guy inboxes me and he's like, how much were you buying? And I was like, $80. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was like, how much were you going to spend? I said, $80. He was like, what's your Venmo? Mm-hmm. I was like, 
I sent them my Venmo. He sent me $80. And I was like, he was like, he was like, when it stops raining and you have the ability to go get it, I want to get it for you. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Thank you. So, and that was literally the only communication. Like I haven't, haven't said shit to this guy. This guy hasn't said shit to me, whatever. He was like, I like your content. Okay, cool. 15 minutes later, I get a text from the delivery service. They're like, your driver is 15 minutes out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, but I had already taken the cash out of the bag. I had gone, got cash out of the bank or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the guy comes, he drops it off. Um, he's like $69. I said 80 because that's how much I took out of the bank. So that's what was locked in my head. Yeah. So I grabbed the bag driver smiling all extra hard and I was just annoyed so I didn't even like I was keeping my shit so I can go in the house it's raining so I go in the house I open the bag it's an extra eight oh I was like yo did I just manifest free weed and <laughs> extra money what the hell <laughs> all I could do was laugh I was like, that's nice <laughs> I text my best friend I'm like yo I think I just manifested free weed because I kept saying all day long I don't want to pay for it that's all I can yeah. say I was like mm-hmm. I just don't want to pay for it yeah I don't want to pay for it I don't want to pay for it I don't that's pay hilarious for it. I was like is that how this shit works yeah I've been doing this a lot <laughs> well and yeah and it's really fun when you are conscious that you're doing it and you're just like dang what look at what I just did I do that uh, yeah I'm like wow who knew <laughs> And you get, and those, what's awesome is that's the stuff that you get to remember when you forget who you are, you know, those days that you forget that you're magical. Cause I know I have those days. I forget that I'm magical. So yeah. And it's funny that we, that we are, and I'm just going to say it, we're as good as we are and we still forget that we're magical. So you got to understand that if you know, everybody gets that way, everybody goes when there. something happens and it like, and I see it kind of coming together, just the way that my brain mm. put it together. I'm, I'm baffled and amazed and all the time. Yeah. I'm in awe all the time. Mm-hmm. Like when I talk about, you know, the star card and I'm like, yo, the blessings of the star card. I was like, yo, you get what you want, but it's not going to look like what you think yeah. it's going to be so much bigger and so much more and so much better. And when I stand back and really look at what I said I wanted and to mm-hmm. realize, yeah, I have it. Yeah. All of it. Oh yeah. Like I manifested this. I created it just the way that it is. Like I'm badass. Plucked it right out of thin air. Plucked it right out, like right out of thin air and, and made it exactly the way I wanted it mm-hmm. without any real I don't feel like I put a whole lot of work into it. I just said, this is what I want. Yeah. I feel like we need to do a manifesting class together. That would be fun. We should teach people how to do that. That would be fun. I could do, yeah, we could do that. Cause I think the biggest lesson that folks don't understand is the, it's the surrender and and letting it and just, and letting it go Mm -hmm. and just letting it go. Cause that's the thing is, is, you know, you need, you didn't, when you knew that you needed to surrender, you, you couldn't define it. And now yeah, I didn't you know understand. I now I you have that. I don't know how to tell people to surrender. You just got to let go and trust. And, ha- and it's got to be radical trust. It's got to be. It, yeah. And it has to be about vulnerability. And like you said, dropping the armor and opening yourself to receive. And right. All it, of those things. Not just. That one. is everybody's biggest hurdle right now. Mm-hmm. That is everybody's biggest it's hurdle. Trust. It's because so no, you don't trust. Yeah. Everybody is so jaded and nobody wants to yep. get hurt, not realizing that once you step over the threshold of that 
fear. Mm-hmm. Everything is over possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. When you step on the other side of your own fear, when you step outside mm-hmm. of yourself and just take that deep breath and take mm-hmm. that first step, everything opens up. Everything opens up. It is so it happens in such a miraculous way if you just trust like I don't know how to stress that yeah just trust just trust well and it's interesting because growing up in survival mode um it's very difficult to trust it's so and I think that that's where people kind of get themselves stuck because I'm even thinking about a couple people in my mind that I know that they just have so much manifesting power that they manifest the negative things that happen to them. And if they could pull themselves out of the negative parts, because I know what saved my life was learning how to surrender. What saved my life was learning how Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. before that. Nobody could help me. Nobody could come in my space. Nobody. There's nothing anybody could do or say. I was going to change. Very sharp edges. (laughs) Right. 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 Really sharp edges. Yeah. So now that I've been able to kind of like drop all of that and release everything and let it go, let it go, constantly Mm -hmm. shedding, letting go, letting go. The less I care, the you know, and not even like I don't care, but like the less I care about everything. Just it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. It's going to be whatever it's going to be. And it really is. It's not about not caring about things or people. It's just, it's not giving (laughs) right. Like, right. Just letting, I'm just allowing things to be however they're going to be. I can't make any changes. I can't do anything about it. So you might as well just enjoy the ride where you're going. Yeah. You You don't like the ride. Get off. (laughs) You're right. Go do something else. Go do something else. Go do something else. Just as simple. And you stop projecting too. You take the anger away. You stop sure. projecting onto other people. You for stop sure. making them hold on to your emotions. All mm-hmm. of that. And take all accountability that. for your own actions, your own decisions. And when you own that, nobody can hold that shit over your head. Nobody yeah. can. You know, their judge, other people's judgment doesn't make any sense. Doesn't mm-hmm. make any difference. Like you don't care. And that's kind of where I, I, I don't care about what other people think of me. I don't give a shit. I said that on, a t- I responded to a t- tweet yesterday. I was like, when my Virgo 12th house realized that nobody actually gave a shit that I failed at something, I was free. I was right. like, wow, nobody cares. If, nobody's looking that hard Mm-mm. at all. And for me, even if they were looking, I don't give a shit. I'm gonna give them exactly. a shit. Like, like, I don't care. Like, I just, yeah. you know, I feel like at this point, the people who have wanted me to fail, or wished failure on me. I'm sorry that you're not getting what you want. Um, and I'm just going to go live my Good life. Good luck to you. <laughs> right. You know, hey, I mean, whatever bad you're wishing on me, you're just making me greater. So yeah, that is the way I think. Like literally, you're just making me greater. So That's, yeah, how's That's that amazing. For you? you know, Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out today to talk to me some extremely important topics that (laughs) I think that uh, needed to be put out there. So I really appreciate you taking that time. Oh, thank you for having me. I love working with you. We got to do some, we got to do some live readings again soon. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. I actually, um, popped on YouTube yesterday and saw Eric doing a live daily reading. And I was just like, oh man, I got to get him. We got to get back together. Like, yeah. That was so much fun. That was fun. Yeah. And do it when I'm, since I'm feeling better now and I'm not, yeah. I can actually like read. <laughs> was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 We got to do it again. For yeah. sure. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being here. You are welcome. And, um, 
man, go give that husband of yours a hug. I just, I hug and love on him every day because this man has been my savior. He's been my savior and my rock. And, um, God, he's just, I just say it all the time. He's just a patient ass man. Like he's a patient, patient man. And so, um, I wouldn't be me a lot of me without him. Cause I realize I've been with him for more than half my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. I owe a lot of who I am to who he is and vice versa. We both talk about it all the time, you know, that's so, so cool. Um, we, we, we helped each other grow up and, um, and now we've, you know, got a whole bunch of awesome kids. And now you and guys just get to like relax in the love and yeah, and not I'm stress no that. more. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm living for this phase right now. Yeah, I'm, good. I'm very much looking forward to this next phase. You very deserve much. it. You deserve it. You both very do much. so much. So much. I love you, girl. I love you too. Thank you so much. Betsy. We'll talk soon. All right. Take All right. care. Okay. Love Mwah. you. Bye. Bye.